It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome to another edition of the IDP Corner. My name is Justin Varnes. You can follow me on Twitter at DownWithIDP. I'm one of two IDP analysts over at FantasyPoints.com. And with me, as always, uh, is Mr. Thomas Simons, who is about to say something I cannot predict. You, you know, don't you just hate having Christmas commercials right around Halloween? I wonder how many people got that that was an Andy Rooney reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you don't you just know any of those little spitballs on the end of your nose. Just look. Anyways, yeah, um, I'm getting tired of Christmas commercials so early in the season. Yeah, mid-October is way too early for Christmas. Uh, I also want to add, early. I'm going to throw a, a, a controversial um, question at you. Is Jerry Seinfeld the, the extension of Andy Rooney? Uh, no comment. Okay, <laughs> that's probably wise. This is going to get derailed real quickly. Um, I, I have a uh, an appointment to take a, a ride for some coffee in his car, and I uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's smart. That's a good business play. Uh, all right, so we're going to talk about week nine. Uh, it is Friday morning, so we were able to uh, observe, for lack of a better term, what Oof. happened at la- in last night's football game. Uh, you know, we we knew going into this matchup that it would probably be a, a pretty slow game. But what did you see, Thomas? Uh, observer is putting it nicely. Uh, Yes, it was definitely another uh, slow Thursday night outing um, with Pittsburgh scoring and holding off Tennessee late in the game. Um, The Steelers were already without Micah Fitzpatrick going into this game. And then they lost Cole Holcomb with what appears to be a significant knee injury. Now, that means that Landon Roberts and Quan Alexander will pick up the slack going forward in what was a three-man rotational committee at inside linebacker. Now, it was nice to see Aziz Alshair post 10 total tackles, but only two of them were solos, and that is kind of worrisome. Yes, Roberts led Pittsburgh with nine total tackles, but he too had four solos, five assists, as well as a tackle for a loss. What were your thoughts on, the, on Shair having just – two t- solos out of the 10 total tackles he had. Oh man, this is <laughs> this is kind of a hot topic for me and, and also the guys uh and girls in the in the betting uh channel for Discord. So I put up a couple of props last night in there. One of them was uh uh Shair going under in assists cuz I think they had him for like five assists and I thought, well, number one he normally produced fewer assists on his own that way. Number two, normally Pittsburgh's uh, stat crew is very heavy on assists. They they rarely give out more than assists to uh, more than four assists even to linebackers. <clears throat> so when it when it showed up as two solos and eight assists, not only uh, w- was that just a travesty for that bet. My other my other bet, which was the Jack Gibbons under, uh, just because we, I figured that um, Pittsburgh offense wouldn't be able to produce enough for two uh, linebackers. And that was true. So that one hit. But the fact that he had eight assists, I mean, you know, you particularly for somebody like Al Shair, he's somebody that you you probably didn't draft very highly and you've been very happy with his um, with his production. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we ha- we have four teams on by this week. So he might have even been your LB two or LB three going into into 
this week and you realize you probably needed more out of him than normal. And he got you 10 tackles. He hit that double digit number, which is amazing. But then when you get like 4.5 points for all those assists, it's kind of heartbreaking. He had 10 total tackles and I got like three and a half points. What's going on here? Yeah, that that, that was frustrating. It was, it was definitely an ugly game. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, well, let's move on to some hopefully uh, much sunnier uh, uh, games. Um, let's talk about the week nine observations. Uh, Thomas, you want yeah. to get us started? Well, there, there's Bryce Huff has uh, recorded a sack last week, and he now has a sack in more than three straight games. Now, during this stretch, Huff has recorded, uh, I believe, six solos and, and four assists. He's had three total, uh, three tackles for a loss and five QB hits. Uh, he's been taking forty four percent of the Jets 208 defensive snaps during this three-game stretch. This is not bad for a guy who doesn't start. Now, he has a Monday night game against the the Chargers, and this could – granted, the Chargers are not a huge sack opportunity, but Huff is on a roll, and he's he's a nice fill-in if you need somebody for a bye week. Uh, I want to talk about – the, our linebackers in Miami, the combination of Kansas City's stout defense. They have a top five defense this year uh, and obviously their prolific offense when it's clicking. And uh, usually it is, um, although we obviously have seen fewer uh, explosive plays this year. And that's pretty much across the board. Um, but that combination creates a top 10 number of plays, uh, which creates a basically high number of tackles in particular a lot of their offense seems to end up creating tackles for linebackers. So if you've got David Long or Jerome Baker for the, um, from Miami, this is a good week to start, and particularly if, if one of your other linebackers are on a bye this week. So Kevon Thibodeau had a, a monster game last week against the Jets. Uh, he posted three sacks. Now, he has four or more total tackles in two consecutive outings as well. Now, Thibodeau is uh, facing the Raiders team and has given up the eighth highest number of sacks uh, with 22 going into week uh, nine. Now, I like this matchup on the road for the Sedge Rusher because of the fact that the Raiders are a little bit iffy on offense, and Jimmy Garoppolo has been getting happy feet in the in the um, pocket. So he Thibodeau could be busy this this week against the Raiders on the road. So one of the worst betting mistakes I made last week, I think the worst betting mistake I last week la, I uh, made last week was not pulling the trigger on the Shaquille Leonard over. His snaps have been rising, uh, and uh, the the Colts linebackers just had a great matchup last week. Now, obviously, we expected Zaire Franklin to do well, and he did. But uh, so did Leonard. Leonard played 83%, which is one of the highest marks of the season. He posted 11 tackles. His prop was seven and a half tackles, uh, and I, I definitely was tempted to take the over. But long story short, Leonard looks to be squarely on the LB2 radar now. He's consistently playing in the 70 to 80% snaps, and he's usually landing around seven to 10 tackles. Now, that's obviously not to Shaquille Leonard, who was the number one IDP pick uh, you know, pre-entry, but it's important to note that his Snaps and his production have been steadily rising, uh, and we're starting to see some consistency there. I can, you know, I can't believe I'm going to talk about the Patriots' defense and uh, an opportunity here <laughs> after after all the, the weeks of us, I wouldn't say bashing, but pointing out the fact that the Patriots are a very inconsistent reliability when it comes to IDPs. When Jawan uh, Bentley went down with a hamstring injury in Week Eight, it was Mac Wilson who was the next man up. Now, Wilson took 58% of the snaps, and he posted 
five solos, two assists, and a tackle for a loss. Now, Wilson's not a huge big play IDP guy, but Washington comes in uh, into this week tied for the most sacks allowed with 41. Now, this bodes well when you consider the commanders pass the ball 66% of the time and only run it 34% of the time. Wilson could have a decent game. Uh, when we talk about uh, this, this, uh, and you might probably talk about it a little bit more here coming up, but we talk about some of the, the major trades that have happened recently. Uh, one that uh, intrigues me this week, um, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this too, since you're kind of in that area. Um, uh, Leonard Williams, uh, he's going to, he should make his uh, Seahawks debut this week. Um, this is a great matchup for him, really, in the whole Seattle D line, because the Ravens run it the most of any team, and the Ravens stat crew tends to be pretty generous. Generous. They're one of the most generous stat crews in the NFL. So if you have Leonard Williams and you saw he got moved to the to Seahawks, uh, assuming he gets enough snaps, and, and I believe that he will, uh, he should have a pretty solid debut for them. You know, it, it, I really like the, the trade and the word from – obviously when you make a trade like this, teams are going to talk highly of what the incoming player and and, and – in this particular case, you know, a lot of people out there are wondering, wow, you know, and, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the trade when we get to the trade section. Um, I really like this move because it, it blo- uh, bolsters the inside run defense for the, the um, Seahawks, but also gives them another uh, pass rusher from the inside, which they if they can generate some push on the inside, that frees up a little bit. You know, it forces the offenses to collapse a little bit in, towards the interior to to assist the center and the guards, and that bodes well for their outside edge rushers and. Gives Gives them an opportunity for more sacks. Now, talk- speak, yeah, go ahead. speaking of, of sacks, um, Carl Granderson has, has been quietly producing uh, for fantasy owners lately. He had another sack in week eight while posting three solos, three assists, and uh, one tackle for a loss and three quarterback hits. Now, Granderson has a sack in three of his last four outings in five and a half on the season. So up next is Chicago, who's given up the third highest number of sacks, I believe, with 28 through eight weeks. This this is another one of these, hey, this is a good matchup. Take advantage. Uh, I'm going to stick with defensive linemen. We're on a little roll here for defensive linemen. I want to talk about Jonathan Grenard. Uh, he has been playing closer to his pre-injury self this season. I uh, remember he kind of started hot, uh, uh, the former University of Florida player. He started hot, and then he, he had a couple of injuries uh, um, that, that eventually either sapped his strength or took him off the field for too long. Well, he seems to be back to playing really well. Uh, he and the whole uh, Houston defensive line, they have a great matchup this week. The Bucks create the second most uh, DL tackles in the league. Uh, they, although they are running it a little less lately than they were at the beginning of the season, um, but if uh, if everything kind of goes according to plan, they should probably get back to running it at least half the time this this week. Uh, so. But either way, even if they don't run it as much, all they've done is really gone from an elite DL matchup to a very good DL matchup. So I like Grenard and that whole D-line this week from Houston. If you haven't snatched up Cameron Bynum by now, do so. He had another monster outing with seven total tackles, six solos and an assist, and he had half a sack plus a QB hit and two passes defended. 
Now, Bynum has six or more total tackles in all eight of his games this year, and he has double-digit total tackles in three games while nearly doing it two more times with nine in the games. Um, I mentioned last week, uh, speaking of, of Cam Bynum, uh, yes. that the, the Minnesota safeties had a, had a poor matchup. And they ended up coming out okay, six, seven, and eight tackles between them. Obviously, Bynum, uh, with that sack QB hit and 2PD, he, he was able to use his big play-making uh, uh, ability to kind of make up for the fact that it was, you know, for him, a, you know, seven tackles for Cam Bynum this year, if you've had him, because since he's hit the double-digit mark so many times, you might have felt like that was a little under. And, and that just really had to do with the matchup. All three of their safeties, remember that they run three safety sets um, at one of the highest rates of the league. They usually use one linebacker, Jordan Hicks, and then they'll use all three of their safeties on the field. As I said, they had six, seven, and eight tackles between them, which was okay. Uh, but it, but we've seen all three of these safeties at times hit double-digit tackles. That did not happen this week. Um, now that should flip back to their favor this week because the Falcons are a very strong match- matchup, not only for uh, uh, linebackers, uh, but also for defensive backs. Uh, also, this change at quarterback might help our defensive backs uh, for Minnesota as well. So I like all three of these Minnesota safeties this week. Especially with, with defensive backs that play in the box like Bynum will do. Yeah. Now, speaking of, of um, turnovers, Deron Bland, where did he come from? I mean, not only did he notch his fourth interception of the year in Week 8, he now has three pick sixes in 2023. Now, Bland is normally a two to three tackle, uh, total tackle kind of guy. So INTs are what you're going to need from him to get any kind of fantasy production. His opponent this week is Philadelphia, and they are tied for fifth in INTs allowed with eight on the season. So Bland is going to be looking to to snatch his fifth uh, pick of the year, and he's already got three pick sixes. So hard not to play him <laughs> no, no kidding um uh i've mentioned him a couple times in, in my articles but i still see him kind of under rostered and i'm still getting questions about him levante david i think he's having a renaissance year and this has a lot to do with how uh the this uh bucks defense is starting to use him they've kind of moved him back into the not kind of they've moved him back into the primary linebacker role before you know it was Devin White before that and before that. Basically, when Quan Alexander joined the Bucks uh, several years ago, they moved David uh, into uh, a, a more of a it's a, kind of a really generic term, but we'll call it a Swiss Army knife roll. He was moving around a lot, um, and you know, being more in coverage, being more on the edge, uh, and they were allowing Alexander to just kind of sit in the middle and soak up tackles. Well, they're still using David in a multitude of ways, but they are allowing him to uh, be in position to make more tackles and be less specialized. Um, so I, I really like him. I, he's moving into the LB1 conversation. Uh, this week should help because the Texans create a top five amount of uh, linebacker tackle production. Yeah, and, and when when they they drafted Devon White, they were expecting White to replace Alexander, and they were going to continue down the road. They were going with David, but I totally agree with you with the move back inside because White hasn't lived up to the total expectations that they've wanted. Even though White's been doing well for fantasy owners, he's he's not being the interior linebacker that they wanted uh, when they drafted him. Now. Speaking of interior linebackers, I'm going to stay on that track and, and keep a very watchful eye on the health of Tremaine Edwin, Edmonds, 
who left the, the Bears game in week eight with a knee injury. Now, if Edmonds is out this week, then Jack Sanborn is a viable IDP replacement. Sanborn increased his snap count to 46% when Edmonds went down, and he posted eight total tackles, uh, seven solos, and an assist. Now, Edmonds did take 64% of the snaps before his injury, so Sanborn could easily post double-digit total tackles with 80 to 85% snap count if Edmonds is out. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm all for whoever is going to play next to uh, Edwards because this is a really good matchup for our Chicago linebackers. Uh, New Orleans has a, has a combination. The New Orleans offense has a combination of a fast pace. Uh, their their offensive identity. We talked about this with Kansas City. In other words, where the majority of their offense is kind of uh, aimed or focused, and the number of plays per game that the that the uh, that the Saints can put together. All of that combined gives us top 10 uh, linebacker tackle production. So I like the Chicago linebackers this week. You know, Sam Hubbard has a, has a sack in four of his last five games, and he has six or more total tackles in three of his last five outings. He has a great matchup at home against Buffalo, who is ranked seventh highest in total plays this season with 499, uh, or just about 62 uh, plays per game. Now, while the Bills have allowed just 12 sacks this year, they do pass the ball 58% of the time as compared to running at 42. Now, there is a concern that, that Trey Hendrickson has been banged up and, and limited in practice this week and is questionable. So if Hendrickson is out, then the Bills can spend a little or, or focus a little more on stopping Hubbard, and that may reduce his production. But I still like Hubbard this week, especially with the way Josh Allen moves around in that pocket. Yeah, and I, I'm uh, I'm I'm starting Hubbard. I might sit Trey Hendrickson because uh, on paper this is not a great matchup for the Cincinnati defensive lineman. But uh, I've I've seen too many times Hubbard come through in the clutch, even when it, on paper it's a bad matchup. I think I think Hendrickson is somebody who will ebb and flow a little bit more. Depend on that would be a little bit more matchup dependent for me. Uh, you had mentioned some of these trades. We have, yes. <laughs> we've had a little oh. flurry on the defensive side. You want to get we us did. started? I'm, well, the Leonard Williams trade. Well, I'm going to bring up a couple of trades real quickly before I get to Leonard Williams. Washington traded both defensive ends, uh, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. They traded Sweat to Chicago for a um, 2024 second-round pick, and then they traded Young to San Francisco for a 2024 conditional pick. Now – Young is going to be joining Nick Bosa, who, who he played with at Ohio State. So there is a history between these two. And I, people are wondering why the, the Seattle Seahawks traded for Leonard Williams when they could have gone out and got an edge rusher like Sweat or, and or Young. Well, there's a couple of reasons why. And, and I mentioned earlier on Williams that Williams is, is an interior rusher and Williams can – um, bring pressure from inside. And yes, you're going to get pressure from Sweat and Young on the outside and Williams on the inside. But the key difference here is, yes, they're, Williams is 29 years old and the others are younger players, 
but they're a little bit more limited than Williams because Williams can play anywhere you want along that defensive line. He can play defensive end. He can play defensive tackle. He can line up over the, the center. He's a very flexible, uh, rotational type of player that will play a lot of snaps. And that was the key for, for the Seahawks going after him. Now, I know Pete Carroll has been a big-time Leonard Williams fan and has been admiring him from afar for the past few years. And didn't they did inquire about him last year? So there is the possibility of this trade actually favoring the Seahawks in regards to well, why didn't they go for Sweat or Young? Well, I think they made the right move. Now Philadelphia traded Cantavius uh, Street, their interior defensive uh, tackle, to Atlanta after Atlanta lost Grady Jarrett for the season. Uh, I'll touch base with that in in a second. Um, a twenty twenty five. Seventh round pick and street to Atlanta for a 2024 sixth round pick. And then finally, the Green Bay Packers traded Razul Douglas to Buffalo. Now, this is Douglas has been a solid cornerback for the Packers, and you know, he was quite a surprise a couple of years, two years ago, when they first started looking at him as their starting cornerback. Now, they traded him for a third and a fifth round pick. So Buffalo is kind of going all in on trying to solidify their secondary, especially after they lost Tredavious White earlier in the season. Um, I, when I look at the, uh, what's going on in, in Washington, that's the one for me that's, uh, there's a lot going on there. Um, do you want to talk Not about good the, either? <laughs> uh, if you want to talk about the, 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 the people who were leaving, uh, I'll follow up a little bit with, with who might be sliding into their place. All right. Well, Chase Young is, this, this kid is a very, very talented, um, young defensive end. The problem that he's had is there's been some questions on on his work ethic. There's been some questions as to whether or not he's getting along with people. He's been asked to be traded. Montez Sweat was a little bit of a surprise because of the fact that, you know, he he was playing a decent role in this commander's defense. So for them to unload both of their defensive ends and pretty much leave that that line decimated on the edge. Um, I, I know you're going to bring up a, a couple of guys, especially one in particular, that is a, a solid replacement. Uh, and they are getting draft picks out of this deal. I mean, they, they did get, they're going to get a conditional pick from San Francisco and they got a second rounder out of Chicago. But, you know, when you got Jonathan Allen on the interior line, just swearing his way through a post game interview, about how bad things are and how bad things have been. And then you turn around and, and make it worse. I, it, you, you have to scratch your head and go, what are they doing? Yeah, it's, I mean, they're, you know, obviously trying to. Uh, they're tanking the season. They know yeah. it's over with. They're going on. They're moving forward. They're trying to improve their draft stock for next year. And next year, let's be honest, next year is a loaded draft class. Yep, and I, and and I'm I'm sure they're very aware of that. The fact that they've um, been running Cody Barton out as their inside linebacker for as long as they have, <laughs> to me to me was also a sign. You know, they they weren't um, 
uh, you know, to, to basically make the quarterback of your defense uh, be one of the weaker spots on your defense was, was a little bit telling as well. They still got ton of they still have tons of value in, in sweat and young um, young actually has been really, you know, I know he's been he's been making trouble for them, but he's really been playing well. So, uh, I mean, I love him moving to San Francisco. I think he's in a great position. He, I mean, he was on a great defensive line, you know, in Washington. So it's not necessarily much that, but always being, you know, being on a team that is is. Uh, uh, that that is you know um, likely heading to the playoffs. Uh, be playing with a lot of leads, and obviously playing across from uh, Nick Bosa is great. I think it's also going to help Bosa to have to to finally have like a, a really strong bookend on the other side. For Washington, uh, they really they don't have that much available to, to fill in. We, they've got Casey Tuhill. Uh, they've got James Smith Williams, who I think is, is somebody I'm interested to watch. I'm also curious to see if they get F.A. Obata off the mat and start using him a little bit more in, in rotation. How do you think this is going to work out for the defensive ends? Well, I, I think you hit the head with James Smith Williams. I, I think yeah. that's the man that that's going to be the most productive out of the three that you listed. Uh, Two Hill will get a lot of playing time, and they're going to increase the snap count for Obata. Um, Obata is a sneaky play because he has big play potential. The key is that he hasn't been able to stay healthy, and his snap count has been real, really low this year. So when he when he obviously he's coming back and getting back into things. So they're going to be progressively increasing his snap count. And I think he's going to spend more time. There's going to be a three-way rotation between them. I think Smith Williams is going to be the one that'll lead the three. Um, and then two, two Hill and, and Obata will be the ones that will share a little bit more of the time and, and probably be less productive than Smith Williams. Yeah, and because of this stout interior with uh, Jonathan Allen and exactly. Deron Payne, I, I do think that Smith Williams will get some 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 clean looks. So uh, I would not be surprised if he doesn't start uh, moving up uh, moving up the IDP boards here pretty soon. Right when when Chase Williams was injured in the past, Smith Williams stepped in in, in his place and did very well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a significant sign of of what of how the Redskins are confident, excuse me, the commanders, boy, did I just say Redskins? Dang. (laughs) It's 1982 Um, all of a sudden. (laughs) How the commanders feel comfortable and are confident in Smith Williams' ability to get them through the rest of the year. So I, I think this, he's going to be a surprise. And if you're desperate or looking for a, a defensive end, he's, he's somebody you should probably go out and pick up. I agree. Uh, all right. Well, I think we have one more trade, right? Uh, uh, no, I think that was in. Oh, you got to Douglas. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, so then let's move on to our injured reserves, our favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> there are some big ones. I mean, Nick Bolton on Kansas City got placed on injured reserve with a dislocated wrist. He's out for four weeks or more. Uchenna Nuoso on Seattle. Uh, we talked a little bit about this in the past about – um, the edge rushing problems that the Seahawks have had. Well, he he tore his pectoral muscle, is done for the year. They did go out and sign Frank Clark to, to help ease that that uh, vacancy. And the addition of Leonard Williams will probably help guys like Boye uh, Mafe and Daryl Taylor and Derek Hall and so on and so forth for the uh, Seahawks on the edge. Now the commanders, you had mentioned Cody Barton. Well, he went on IR with an ankle injury and he's probably, yes, he's, he's at least four games, but at this point in time with Washington wanting to 
pretty much tanked the season. And, and I, I don't know if Barton's going to come back this year. So that's to be seen. Now, another guy who's most likely headed to and probably lands on IR by the end of the weekend is uh, Grady Jarrett on Atlanta. He tore his ACL and is done for the year. He will obviously not play and is most likely headed for injured reserve. Now, there's a whole bunch of guys that, that are questionable, and I'm going to go through these and just tell them their ailment and, and their ailment and, and then let you know any of these guys who didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday. Everybody else was a limited practice. Okay, I'll start with defensive linemen, and it goes defensive tackle, Kevin Strong, Arizona, shoulder. Defensive end, Trey Hendrickson, Cincinnati with a foot. We mentioned that a, a little bit ago. Defensive tackle Dean Lowry in Minnesota has a groin injury, has yet to practice this week. Defensive tackle Jalen Carter on Philadelphia with a back injury. And defensive end Logan Hall, Tampa Bay with a groin, has not practiced this week. Now, linebacker Justin Houston in Carolina has a hamstring injury, did not practice Wednesday, Thursday. Same can be said for linebacker Tremaine Edmonds on Chicago with a knee injury, did not practice. Zaire Franklin on Indianapolis, I'm... I'm struggling to get information on this because he has a knee injury and did not practice Wednesday and Thursday. And I can't tell if this is a serious questionable or if he banged his knee up and they just want to give him a few days rest. This one warrants very close attention on Friday afternoon. If he did not practice on Friday, you're, you should find a replacement for Franklin this weekend because there's a good chance he won't play. Linebacker Willie Gay, Kansas City has tailbone. Linebacker Luke Masterson on Las Vegas and linebacker Divine Diablo on Las Vegas, a concussion and an ankle for the two of them. Both of them did not practice Wednesday and Thursday. Typically, Ernest Jones, linebacker for the Rams with his knee injury, did not practice Wednesday, Thursday, but he did that last week and the week before, and yet he played. So that's one you're going to have to keep an eye on for Friday's practice report. Jawan Bentley, linebacker in New England, hamstring, linebacker jo- uh, Josh Uche on New England with a foot. Uh, defensive secondary, cornerback Mike Hughes on Atlanta with a shoulder injury. Uh, safety Marcus Williams on Baltimore, hamstring, been limited. Uh, safety Von Bell, Carolina with a quadriceps. Cornerback uh, Terrell Smith, the rookie on Chicago with an ankle and an illness. Safety Jaquan Brisker on Chicago. They listed him early with an illness, and then they've listed him now with a concussion, and he has not practiced Wednesday or Thursday. Also not practicing um, the last two days is cornerback Greg Newsom II on Cleveland and cornerback Juju Brents on Indianapolis. Cornerback Kobe Durant on the Rams has a shoulder, been limited. Cornerback Xavier Howard on Miami with a groin. And finally, safety Brandon Jones on Miami suffered a concussion last week and has yet to practice. Brandon Jones finally played 100% of the snaps last week uh, and then immediately went down with a concussion. Uh, the, uh, one of the ones I wanted to mention was the the Jaquan Brisker one. Yeah, because they basically – he they – he sustained a concussion. He was cleared. He came back in the game. We thought everything was fine. And then all of a sudden he started having, um, he started getting sick. And then they thought, well, he was over the sickness, 
but what is left still uh, um, basically a reminiscent of a, of a concussion. So they think he still has a concussion, but when he first reported it at the beginning of the week, it was just regular illness. He, they didn't quite have all the dots connected that this was, that, that this was definitely related to the concussion. So uh, that, that might help clear up a little of that confusion. Not really because it's still incredibly confusing and we have no <laughs> idea whether he's going to actually play football or not. <laughs> All right. Well, we're heading yeah. into week nine. We, we, we're, we've turned the core about to turn the corner this week. Uh, we'll be halfway through the season. Um, good luck, everybody, in week nine. Remember that if you are a Fantasy Points premium subscriber, you can find us on Discord. Reach out to us there with your start sit questions, your dynasty questions, etc. cetera. Uh, and then uh, we're going to start uh, bundling up for this colder weather. And we will see you guys on the other side. Thomas, you want to take us out? Be well and be safe. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.